Hey, good morning Thrive Online or afternoon whenever you're watching this. I hope that you have now begun the good work. I, I hope that God is burdening you with something on the inside that is saying, I may not be able to do everything, but I can do something. We, we talked about in our, our week one, talked about beginning the good work. We talked about what that means. What do you do when you're just done, you're burdened, you're, you're tired of something? This week we're talking about do the work. Now you just start doing the work. Make a difference. The title is Do the Work, Make a Difference. And I'm guessing that there is something that bothers you. Surely. There's something that agitates you on the inside. Something that you've seen on social media this week and you said inside of your heart, this is not right. It weighs on you, uh, on, on, you on behalf of something or someone. There's an injustice. There's a need. There's someone hurting. There's someone abused or neglected. There's a burden. There's something that disturbs you. Uh, every time you see this, it just kind of irks you a little bit. It upsets you. Uh, maybe it makes your blood boil a little bit. The burden, I want you to know that the burden you bear often reveals the calling you'll embrace. Eventually, like a domino effect, there's something that tips you over and ticks you off and it, it pushes a little, a little domino inside of your soul towards the next one and then the next time you see it, it pushes you a little bit forward closer to that than the next and the next. And then eventually the burden that you bear will reveal the calling that is down inside of you. Now, whether you answer that or not is up to you, completely up to you. That's why God has given us free will. But it is, it is completely up to you to decide, I will, like we talked about last week, I will sit down and cry. I will, I will kneel down and pray. But at some point, I'm going to have enough. Enough is enough. I'm going to stand up and do something about it. Well, there's two things I know when this is taking place. Now, this burden, one, is this burden often moves you to take steps towards being the resolve, whether education or ministry or beginning to serve even. Uh, you rarely, number two is this, you rarely know when you're on the front end of something really special. Now, when you get started, you rarely know because all you can see is this burden and this next thing that you're going to do because of this burden, but you rarely know you're on the front edge of something great, on the, on the front end of something of major significance. I know I'm, we're in the process, so we're really close, by the way. We ought to be, and within, within a matter of a month, we ought to be meeting in our own building, our own facility. That is huge. I can, just, I can see confetti going everywhere. I see people excited. I'm, I'm just jumping for joy in my own heart. But that didn't start with just the construction of this building. No, this started years ago whenever my family had a need and God put it in me to say, well, you can do something about it. And then I just started to build. I started to work on my house. And, I, and then my family grew. We had little Naomi. And uh, we only had one bedroom in our home. And so we realized, wait a minute, this place is going to get small really fast. And so I began to learn how to build a home. And in the midst of that, right there towards the end of the home, I, I knew the Lord had moved me to do this because I knew one day that I would be building a church. Now, 
uh, I wasn't even having, I didn't have the idea of planting the church or, or timing of planting a church. I knew in my heart that we would be church planters, but I didn't know what it was going to look like. And then in that process, literally at the end of us finishing our home, we planted a church. Only God can turn events like that. And now three years later after that, here we are uh, as a church having the opportunity to actually build our own building and everything that God taught me through building my home, God is reusing and He is magnifying, giving me more understanding on how to general contract. And then, not only that, but train and, and, and lead our staff in doing so much of the work who've done an amazing job for you. They had a, a burden inside of them to make a difference and they have actually been working hard to provide a place for you to come in and worship. And so in that time, like I said, we didn't know, I didn't know when I was building, uh, the, doing a little bit of remodeling work in my first home that one day it would build into this. I didn't know I was on the front edge of something great. Uh, and when we started Thrive Community Church, we didn't know what Thrive would be. Here we are already three years later, and we didn't realize three years ago we would be on the front edge of something so impactful, something so life-changing, something so powerful for our community. But yet, here we are, and here Thrive is, and here, here we are ready to be a, a transformational center place for a home for so many people in Henderson County. No, we saw a need. We saw a need, and we saw a gap, and we said, hey, we can fill this gap. We have an opportunity to help. And that's what we did. We just gave it a shot. And sometimes we paralyze ourselves we have, with, with analysis paralysis. And then we keep ourselves from moving forward. Just give it a shot. Give it a shot. You learn in the failures. And exactly where some of you are right now, you're bothered by something. You're considering a need. You're thinking of doing something about it. Consider. Maybe you're considering to, to pray about it. You know, I, I, maybe I'll pray about it. Just pray about it. Maybe you're even considering to serve. Just start serving. Maybe you're considering. Just start doing that thing. You have no idea you're on the front end of something really special. special. If you'll just give it all you've got day after day, you're on the frontage of something great. We're talking about the good work. We're talking about the book of Nehemiah. And the message again is do the work. Make a difference. So I'm going to take you back in history. Remember 586, 587 B.C. is when the Babylonians under the great and evil Nebuchadnezzar came and they just destroyed Jerusalem. They destroyed the habitation of Jerusalem, the walls of Jerusalem, the temple, Solomon's temple, destroyed it, left burning every one of the gates. So they left Jerusalem vulnerable. They left them flat. They left them uh, broken. They left them without everything. And decades later, some Jews were released from Babylonia, from now Persia, because uh, the Persians overran the Babylonians and destroyed them and, and now the Jews were under Persia care. But decades later, after the exile, some Jews were released to go back and rebuild the homeland. Now, there was still no economic system. Uh, there was still no leadership structure. There was still no hope. Uh, there was only failed attempts. 
A lot of things take place and grow in failed attempts, however. So 140 years after destruction, an ordinary guy like you and I, or Gal, uh, Nehemiah was his name, had a broken heart for his people and for the city. He was not a pastor. He was not a priest. He was not a prophet. He was not a warrior. He was not a contractor. He wasn't even verified. He was just a servant, a cupbearer to the king. Now, you don't have to have a formal uh, appointed position. You just need some passion. And so many times, we go, I don't have a place. No, if you got passion, passion will provide you everything that you need. Someone today is struggling with position, and you need to know it only requires you to carry some passion. So what did he do? Uh, he sat down, he cried, he knelt down to pray, and then he got up, he stood up to act. Somebody, he thought somebody has to do something, then it might as well be me. Now, uh, so we're talking about do the work, make a difference. I want to give you four thoughts in this uh, message right here. Four thoughts, and here's number one. Seek God faithfully. Seek God faithfully. The, the first thing that you do when you stand up to do something, you need to first seek God faithfully. Now, 12 times in the book of Nehemiah from beginning to end, we see the evidence of Nehemiah kneeling down before God to pray, before doing the work to seek God. In, midst of, in the midst of doing the work, he would kneel down and seek God. Now, he heard this. He, there was a timeline that he has. Uh, he hears the news. Uh, it was in the month of Kislev. That's November, December for us. Now he prays. He kneels down to pray after his brother Hanini uh, came and told him the, 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 the disfortunate news. And, and then in the month of Nisan, some four months later, now Nisan is the month we celebrate Passover in. It's where Passover comes in. So it's very significant, the month of Nisan. The month of Nisan, four months had passed. He had been praying. He had been fasting. He had been seeking the wisdom of the Lord from the month of Kislev to the month of Nisan. He didn't just rush into it. He, he let it saturate inside of him. He got vision. He, he sought the Lord faithfully. And, and some, it's really impossible for me to describe. I tried last week, but it is impossible for you and I with Western culture mentalities to understand how tricky it would have been the approach towards the king and ask to even be, have the gall to ask such a request, even though the king asked him, what shall I do? Now, Mideastern kings uh, were protected from any bad news. In fact, any kind of unpleasant burden, the people did all they could to protect the kings from such things. Now, no one wanted to deliver that bad news. Why? Because it could be sudden death for anyone delivering the bad news. Does that change the bad news? No, it just changes that person's life who delivered the bad news. And so in Nehemiah 2, 1 says this, I had not been sad in his presence before. Now, I had not been sad in his presence before. Nehemiah 2, 2 says, So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And in verse 4, he says this, The king said to me, What is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. 
And my hope is that you have spent so much time in prayer and your normal daily and weekly devotion that your heart is in tune with the power of God, the voice of God, and the steps of God. And because you've invested that time in advance, that in the moment when situations happen like this, all you got to do is send up little, little responses, little like text message style prayers up to God and there's a realignment because you know the voice of God and you're in tune with Him already and what you're doing that day is coming out of your, your revelation and your time with the Lord and the peace that you're carrying is because you invested, you sowed time of, uh, of, of prayer with the Lord and so therefore you are reaping the harvest of peace and, and guidance throughout your day and whenever situations come about you're just sending up little text message style prayers and God is realigning and readdressing. That's what I hope for you and if you're not doing that I want to challenge you to start investing in your prayer life just like that because I know you're having struggles, I know you have difficult days, and I know you're going through stuff because it's stuff doesn't stop. And so in those moments, you're able to send up little text message prayers where God realigns you and gives you wisdom and focus for the next things. Then in Nehemiah 2.5, he says, And I answered the king. And when it comes to prayer, nothing is too big for God's power and nothing is too small for God's heart. Now, when we, we started, I talk about it a lot because it's talking about building. We, we prayed and prayed and prayed about starting this church. And we had transition. We prayed over transitions. We prayed over many other places. We thought we would move to another city, another state. We talked about everything. We prayed and prayed and sought the Lord. But every time the Lord kept navigating us back to this place because it was missing something. It has a gap in its, in its, in its, in its uh, culture, in its spirituality. There was a gap that God has called Thrive Community Church to fill. And so we, we sought the Lord and gave Him every opportunity to move us. In fact, we, we asked, Lord, move us, please. Take us to another place far from here. He said, no, right here is where I've got you. Right here is where I want you to do what it is that I've called you to do. Nothing is too big for God's power and nothing is too small for His heart. If prayer isn't necessary to accomplish your vision, i got to tell you, you're, you're not thinking big enough. If, if what's inside of you is you already decided, oh, I can do that, then it's not really a big enough vision from God. It's, not, it's probably left little room for God to even be in it because you have already figured it out. And if your vision is not big enough, then, and if it doesn't require a lot of prayer, you need to check it again to see, is this even from God? Number two is this, define the vision clearly. Define it very clearly, very clearly. Uh, for most people, it's not a lack of caring. You know, the people that you engage. You remember, Nehemiah didn't do, he didn't build the wall on his own. He actually enacted and engaged and inspired and got people around him. Well, uh, what he had to have was a clear vision. And, and usually, it's not because people don't care that are around you. That's not the problem. The problem that you have with getting them engaged is a lack of clarity of what it is that you want them to do or the, what it is that you guys are called to do. Now, the king asked Nehemiah this, What can I do? Nehemiah 2.4 says, If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, 
Let him, the king, send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Please send me to Judah so I can rebuild the city. You see, he had spent four months in prayer, in fasting, in getting revelation, getting vision from God. He already had the clarity of vision in his heart. What did he not do? Uh, when he was asked, hey, what would you like to do? What, can it, what, it is, what is it that I can do for you? He didn't say, well, you know what? I was kind of thinking about uh, maybe I could do this and, and maybe, I could, maybe I could just start this little ministry that would possibly help some people with some food from time to time. And maybe, you know, if, if it wasn't too much to ask that I could have a little help and, and I, maybe we'll do it once or I mean, every once in a while and, and maybe... no. He was very direct. He knew exactly what God had called him to. He knew exactly what it would look like. Though he didn't have all of the intimate details, he knew there was a process, there was things that God had purposed for him to do, and it was going to take some resources to get there, and he needed the approval from the king. He knew in his heart because he, he found out through prayer and fasting and preparation, that way he could have the vision ever so clear in, in case anyone were to ask, and especially the king. So for most people, it's not a lack of caring that's your problem. It's a lack of clarity to the vision that you feel God has called you to. And a lack of vision can also cause analysis paralysis and keep you from even starting. Why? Because you haven't gone into the phase of fasting and praying in all of your lamenting. And instead, it probably turned to pouting and wondering and discouraging because you haven't sought the Lord on what it is and how it is that you should do that very thing. So what is it? Is it helping children? Okay, which ones? Is it, uh, you want to help all of them? Okay, do they, well, with what? Do they have basic needs or are you wanting to educate them? Can they read or can they not read? Do you want to help them read? What do, you, do, you, do they have homes? They don't have a homes? Are they abused? Now, where? Here? Henderson County? Another country? Smith County? Uh, where is it? In your backyard? Where, where does help them mean? What does it mean? Uh, they, they need medical attention. They need education. They have needs. Uh, they, you need to find a home for them. The bottom line is if you can't define it, then you can't do it. And if you can't define it, people can't help you with provision to get there. So in a sentence, what is God leading you to do? He says, send me to Judah so I can rebuild the city. He didn't need the, the whole vision of everything it was going to take to rebuild it. He just shortened to the point, here's what I need, here's what I'm going to do, I'll let you know how I figure out how to do it later. Now, what is it, what is it that's in your heart? Is it to, to lead your family to become totally debt-free by the end of 2022? Is it to have a personal conversation with Jesus with everyone in your class before you graduate? Is it to donate $100,000 to Thrive Community Church before you turn 55? Is it to help all teenage boys in Thrive Student Ministries to overcome uh, pornography and the, the, the challenges of pornography before they graduate? Is it to bring healing and freedom to all of those who desire it in Henderson County? That's our call, to bring healing and freedom to those who desire it in Henderson County. Simply put, that's, that's the vision of Thrive Community Church. Introducing Jesus, finding freedom, 
connecting to people, connecting people to purpose rather, and making a difference. When you do that, you have found healing and you have found freedom. Again, if you can't define it, then you can't do it. And if your vision isn't clear, people can't follow. People can't follow. So number three is this. Make plans carefully. Because a goal without a plan is just a wish. A goal without a plan is just a wish. You can't wish it to come in. You got to sit down and plan it out. You want the, you know the goal? What are the steps towards the goal? And how can people get involved in that thing? Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is just get organized. Come up with a system for what God wants you to do. Now, you think people don't, so many people think they're so spiritual and they don't like systems. Uh, and I used to be one of those people until I realized there's no order. It's straight chaos every time we walk in. But when you have systems in place, you have more freedom and people have more freedom to get involved. Think about it. You live in a solar systems. There's a dozen of systems functioning in your body and you are ever so glad that those systems are functioning 24 hours a day. I promise you, you are. Uh, so you love systems. Be spiritual. Discover some systems for the plan, for the goal that you have. People can't get behind something that has no order to it. And people can't grow in something that has way too much control. And so you've got to give space, create systems, and then allow people to get involved in that plan, in that goal. Nehemiah 2.6 says this, Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, How long will your journey take and when will you get back? Listen, I need a deadline. Can you, can you put an end on this thing and a beginning for me? You need to learn how to put a deadline on the vision items, the things that you know you should be doing along the way. And it says, it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I was very specific. I knew what it was going to allow me or cost me, and I knew what we needed to do. And so I set a time that I would be gone. Nehemiah 2.7 says, I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrived in Judah. Now, this is something that we had to have while we were in Honduras. This is safe conduct in, 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 in Spanish was salva conducto that we had to have to get from our hotel to our airport so that we would have safe passage or safe conduct until we arrived at the airport. Now, what is he saying is, okay, I'm going to be gone for X amount of time and I need these resources and I need to be able to get there safely. Nehemiah 2.8 says this, and may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple. You got to get this. This guy spent four months praying and fasting and lamenting and sitting and then rising up saying, I've got to do something about this. He had it so worked out in his heart that when the king, should the king, if the king would ever ask, he already knew how long it was going to take. He already knew what he needed to get there. He already knew the troubles he might have to get there. He had already worked out in his heart the resources he would need. He had already worked out in his heart what resources, who had those resources, and how he would get them to Jerusalem. He had all of this worked out. And he says this, 
and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my requests. Listen, he knew the protection he need. He knew the provision he need. And he knew that the grace of God was on him and could use even a worldly, earthly, different cultured individual to be used to resource, provide, and protect. I would say that the, the, that the time Nehemiah spent with God in prayer gave him clarity and certainty and vision. And maybe that's where you're at. You've plateaued and you're like, I don't know what to do next. Maybe you're in ministry. Maybe you're not in ministry. Maybe you're in business. Maybe you're just a parent. And what you haven't done is set aside time to pray and fast and specifically seek God on these matters and these measures and begin to allow God to show you how He can provide for you, how He can protect you, how He can take care of this situation for vision, for next steps. This is the plateau breaker. For This is why many churches fail. This is why many leaders fail. This is why many parents fail. This is why many marriages fail. This is why many, you name it, students fail. Is because they fail to sit back, to take a knee, to seek the Lord, to pray into things, to get vision from God, and then begin to move forward ready to articulate the needs or the vision of whatever it's going to take to get there. You start doing this, you will see change. You will make a difference. You will do the good work. An imperfect plan pursued with passion today is better than a perfect plan finally lived out a year from now. Just have some passion about it. Get some passion about what you're doing. Wake up. And in fact, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you shouldn't be doing it. You should be doing something completely different, something that has burden tied to it, something that has passion, that when you think about it, all of a sudden this little fire in your soul starts to ignite. Do that. And trust God that He has already resourced you, whether you currently have those resources in your account or not. Because a plan doesn't need to be perfect. It usually never is. My plans often look like this. Do the next right thing. Just do the next right thing. What about next tomorrow? I have no idea what's going to take place. But guess what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to seek the Lord in prayer for about an hour. I'm going to spend time with Him so I know His voice. And then I'm going to start making decisions, the next right thing to do each and every step of the way during the day. Even today, there's things I don't know how it's going to come about. But during the moment, I'm going to do the next right thing. What's the next right thing for you? Maybe it's ministry. Maybe, you're, maybe it's finding out what you're doing and who's doing it. Maybe it's meeting with someone. Maybe it's reaching out and saying, hey, I don't know how to do this. I've never done this, but I have an interest to do this. Can you help me with some information? Maybe it's that. Maybe it's taking a tour somewhere. Maybe it's asking questions to someone. And let me tell you, if you ever ask someone to meet with you and they're mentoring you, stop doing all the talking. Ask questions and then listen. 
And then apply what you have heard. Just begin to walk those things out to help you with those next steps. The idea, maybe you have an idea. Maybe you have an idea for an online class. Uh, find a mentor. Again, stop talking. Do the listening. Write a business plan out. Spend time in prayer and think about next steps. Maybe you're trying to start a podcast. You want to start just sharing what's in your heart. What does it take? Research what it takes to do the next thing. Maybe you want to start dating someone and you're, you're, time to, you're ready to start you know, going out with people, maybe a guy or girl. Here's the first thing you do. Take a bath. Like, fix yourself up a little bit. Sell your PS4. No girl's going to like hanging out with you and you playing a PS4 uh, all the time. Sell it. Stop it. I have a funny uh, situation that uh, a family member loved playing the PS4. In fact, all the time, play the PS4. That's all they wanted to do is play the PS4. My goodness. Didn't have a job. Always needed money. Always lamented on why he couldn't get a job. And I told him, listen, you got to quit playing the PS4. You got to quit playing video games all the time. Finally, someone broke into their house, stole their PS4, and here he is. Now he can't play a PS4. He has to go to work. So finally, the Lord answers in strangest ways, but I've been telling this guy for years, stop playing games. Nobody cares about that. Nobody's going to be interested in that. And it's not going to pay your bills. Or, or this, dude, buy a shirt with a collar. Wearing t-shirts everywhere you go. Get some... If you want a job, go to an interview looking like you're ready to have a job. Hey, guys, if you're, if you're looking for a date, go to Target. Go to, go, to, go, to, go to one of those places that girls actually go to, and they go not knowing what they want, and they find things that they don't know that they're looking for. Go, just go shop around there. But take a bath first and get off the PS4, sell it so you can take them to Starbucks or wherever it is. But you don't have to have a perfect plan, plan, just do the next right thing. Success isn't the accomplishment in the future, it's the right thing today. We get so caught up in everything it looks like in the future and we're paralyzed to do the right thing today. We're always concerned about what's coming. Let me tell you what's coming. Uh, a lot of challenge, a lot of opposition, a lot of discouragement, a lot of heartbreak. We talked about that last week. But that also helps you to discover the vision because when you've experienced those things and you've navigated through those things, then with vision, you can start to let people know, hey, guess what's happening? Guess what's going to happen? You will be discouraged, but it will be okay. You will be challenged, but it will be okay. There are some things that are going to be hang-ups for us, but we're going to have to do this, this, and this to get through it. We will be okay. There's going to be distraction. You're going to be tired of working. You're going to be tired of doing the same thing over and over again, but we will get through this. It, it, it is going to be worth it, and it is possible. You're going to have to have all those things worked out from the Lord, and some of it you're going to have to have already gone through some trials and been willing to go through some trials so that you can get to the place that you really know that God has for you. And so in Nehemiah, Nehemiah 2.17 and 18, he says this, he says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. And verse 18 says, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. This is the second time he says, the gracious 
hand of my God was on him. And so inspired people have faith that God is for them. God is for you. That burden, that thing that burns you, that thing that causes this uh, inside, God is for you in that. And God is with you. God is empowering. These people that, that, that know this, God is empowering them to do something that matters, something that makes a difference. So I heard this this quote right here from John Wesley. It says, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Listen, what we're doing right now, maybe what you're doing right now, has eternal value. And right now, Thrive is going through a season of building the church, building a church so that the church can come in and be transformed. Nehemiah was going through a season where he was coming back, building the wall, restoring Jerusalem. The temple would be restored as well as much as possible so that they could come in and worship, find freedom. Find, they actually found financial freedom. They found spiritual freedom. They found uh, emotional freedom, relational freedom. The season we're going in, we're building a church. Why? Because the plan is that through the building of this church, we are preparing to fill heaven with more souls that will be saved inside and through Thrive Community Church, the building that we're building. And this is the season we're in, and you are a part of this season, and there is a good work that is connected to this part of our season And next, then God is stirring you with something that agitates you, that burdens you, that's telling you inside. It's time to just sit for a moment, cry a little bit, kneel down, and stand up with vision that's clear, that's from the throne room of God, and begin to actually do something about it. And what you care about, it isn't an accident. God knew what he was going, what he was doing when he made you, and he knows what he's doing as he's placing this burden on your heart. Because the burden that you bear often reveals the difference that you will make. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you right there where you're at. And I want I want you to just have your hands open because I know there's burden. And I know there's heartache and I know there's trial and I know there's difficulty. And I know in a challenging time, some of you have just given up and you thought, well, you're not enough. And maybe you don't have enough. And what you didn't realize was in the not having or the not feeling of not being, God was working out something even greater that would actually work for the situation and circumstance that he's calling you into. Oftentimes in, the, in those moments, he's, he's working out what we've seen and understood to be the way in other people's lives. But what he is working out is a revelatory, a new way, a challenging way, something different that fits perfectly into the burden, the gap of society that he's calling you into. So, Father, I pray for those heartaches, those pains, those long sufferings, those trials, those letdowns, those, those discouragements, those, those moments 
of sadness, of lamenting, of being overwhelmed, of being exhausted, of being tired, of the, the stretched feeling of being just wanting to give up and quit. We thank you for those. And Father, I pray for those who are carrying that burden right now, and I pray that they will kneel down and seek you, and they will begin to fast and pray and hear from the throne room of heaven and not be emotionally driven and, and moved around like the sea, but they be steadfast and waiting and articulating and writing down the vision in their hearts that you are giving them. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. We love you. We love you. We praise you. Amen and amen. And hey guys, this is week two again. We are really close to being in our building. And here soon, we are going to need more of your help to move the needle forward. So we will announce another work day just before we get into our building because we're going to have some final touches to move the needle forward to get everything done. We love you guys. Have an amazing week. God bless.